0: tell you, if you have no tingles in you, you are, you're you're able <laughs> Been a great service today. This really wasn't happening. And yet, I saw it with my own eyes. And I couldn't believe it. I had just been made the president of the missionary board. And it was my first trip out of the country. We were in Asia to see the work of the Church of God. And what was happening in various countries there. We were in Calcutta. You, you just can't read about Calcutta. You've got to be there to experience the poverty. To see the, and, and smell the smells of what's going on in the city. It, it's something you have to experience. We had been to Mother Teresa's home of death and dying and the orphanage. And a couple of blocks away from there was a Hindu temple. We went to visit the temple. We couldn't go inside, but the priest ushered us around the outsides of the temple where they had many worship places. There was an altar and people were kneeling and they'd get up and leave and they'd come and kneel. And and as we went on around, there was a porch that had a tree, a small, medium-sized tree in a large box. The priest said, That tree is the fertility god of these people. I didn't think I heard him right. He said, there is a woman praying to the tree. She's praying that she will have a child. There were some papers tied all over the tree. He said, those are requests from people who want to have babies. Praying that that tree will make them fertile. We went on around to see several other worship centers, and as we were about to leave, he had his hand out for an offering for the guided tour. We paid him. And I heard the squealing of an animal. I turned to see what was happening. I saw four men carrying a black goat. It was upside down. They had the legs. Each had a leg in their hand, and they were walking into this area that we were in. And I followed them to see what was happening. They went into one of the worship areas. And they laid the head of this goat down on a chopping block. And with one whisk of the axe, off came its head. Blood squirted everywhere. It wasn't a pretty picture. Some old dogs came in and began to lap at the blood. And... People took off their sandals and they walked into the blood and they would kneel down at the altar and pray a little bit and someone else would come in and do the same thing. And the priest said that this is a black goat and the reason it's black is symbolic of evil and they are making a sacrifice to the God of evil. I got to tell you, I got sick. I physically got sick. There was a spirit of depression that came over me. Frankly, tell you the truth, I wanted to preach the good news of the gospel right there. I thought it probably would not be a wise thing to do in a Hindu temple since they would cart me away. But I wanted to say to them, folks, you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to make these sacrifices because Jesus Christ died on the cross once and for all for the sins of mankind and He rose again. We do not serve a dead God, we serve a living Christ, a resurrected Christ. The resurrection brings hope to the hopeless. The disciples were fearful. You would have been too had you been there. You've given your life to this man for three years. Placed all your hopes in him. He was the Messiah. He was the one who was going to set you free from the rule of Rome. And he's gone. Too many times we allow fear to govern our lives. It was Friday when he was killed. They, they did some things for his burial, but it was hasty because the Passover was coming. They couldn't do anything on the Sabbath day. And so on the first day of the week, some of the women were coming to the tomb to anoint his body, prepare it for its final burial. And they remembered that there was a large stone. And they talked about who's going to roll away the stone. And as they got closer in the dawn of the morning, they saw that the stone was already rolled away. And a man dressed in white, we know now, it was an angel, said to them, He is not here, He is risen. And they were trembling with fear. You would have been too had you been there. And the Bible says in verse 8, They trembled with fear and they were afraid and they told no one and that fear stayed with them until they saw the resurrected Jesus himself. My wife shared with some of the ladies of the church an incident that happened to her when we were on the island of Curacao It's an island just off of Venezuela. I was there on business with the missionary board. I was talking to a church on the island and how their future was going to be. And Missionaries from Venezuela came over. So I was going to a meeting that morning and she said, I'm going to go to the beach. I was a little surprised by that because she is not a beachy kind of person. We walk on the beach. But in the whole time we lived in Santa Cruz, California, a mile from the beach, we never put on a bathing suit and went to the beach. In my opinion, it was too cold. Today's too cold. (laughs) Just to let you know. You guys have a different sense of humor here. (laughs) Sending us away with snow on Easter Day. Well, that helped me to understand she really didn't like meetings either. So the beach was better than the meetings, so she was going to the beach. And she walked out into the warm Caribbean Sea. And she caught the eye of a woman some distance away. And they just kept kind of looking back at each other. And the woman kept moving more toward her. And finally they were side by side in the sea. Diane from Holland was there on holiday at Curacao. She was very distraught, she just poured herself out to to Marge. She told about all the horrible, terrible things that were happening to her and she concluded by saying, today I have come to the sea to determine what method I will use to kill myself. And they talked further and finally Marge presented the gospel to her right out there in the sea. She bowed her head and she prayed the prayer of forgiveness. And when she raised her head, Marge said, you could see that her countenance was changed. Her face was different. There was some hope in her face. Marge happened to have an old Bible that was my dad's in her purse. She didn't usually carry it. This was a planned day, whether you know it or not. And she went back. On shore, got the Bible out and gave it to her. We kept in touch with Diane. Twice we visited her in Amsterdam. She came to Columbus, Ohio. We drove over there to see her. They made telephone calls. They wrote letters. She called my wife, the lady by the sea. Hope. Given hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Someone said, when there is no faith in the future, there is no power in the present. Every one of us has some faith and has some hope. But at the same time, we also have fears, despair. And the difference in life is whether you move with your faith or you move with your fears. See, the resurrection turns despair into joy. Luke chapter 24 is the story of uh, the two men who are walking home from Jerusalem to Emmaus. The crucifixions on Friday, they could not travel on Saturday, the the Sabbath. So on on Sunday they are on their way back home. It's a seven mile walk and they are on the dusty trails. And and You can tell when people are sad and discouraged. You know they droop their shoulders and heads kind of down. Their gait is not real strong and they're talking about the events that have taken place and a stranger joins them. He's disguised, it's Jesus. And he asks them what they're talking about. And they can hardly believe that someone could be in that vicinity and not realize what had just taken place in Jerusalem. The Bible says they stopped right there in the road and looking sad, They said, we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. We had hoped. Well, Jesus took charge. And he began to open the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures to them, and began to share with them that the Christ, the Messiah, had to die on the cross and be resurrected again. Finally, they reach home, and and they invite him in. And while Jesus is at the table breaking bread, distributed to them, their eyes are open. they recognize that it's Jesus, and instantly he's gone. And they are energized with hope. So energized that they run seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples, we have seen Jesus. He is alive. He's resurrected. And hope filled their lives. You may have some reasons today to feel a bit hopeless in your life. I suggest that you turn to the resurrection of hope, Jesus Christ. The resurrection also brings comfort to the broken. Christ revealed God as a God of comfort. The disciples were discouraged. They were broken men and women. They needed some comfort. That comfort could only come from Christ. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I don't know about you, but I think Jesus said some strange things. Sometimes a little difficult to understand. I can't understand that. Blessed are they that mourn, they should be comforted. I don't know any of us who go up to somebody and say, glad to see you morning mourning today. In fact, let's just suppose someone is in some corner of the church and it's obvious that they're under great despair, they're hurting badly, Tears are streaming down their faces. You go up to them and say, praise the Lord. I am so glad to see you crying today. I am so glad to see you in distress. And they'll take a look at you and they'll take a couple of steps back. And they say, you are one weird person. What do we do? We go to those people... We put our arms around them, we try to comfort them. We try to make everything okay for them. We have the philosophy, it was in a song a few years ago, don't worry, be happy. That's it, just be happy. Stop your worry, don't, don't, don't be sad, be happy. Certainly there are persons that I am convinced who have sorrow that will find no comfort. A person who has committed adultery in their marriage. A person who's robbed a bank. Someone who's killed another person. And they experience no sorrow. They're just sorry they got caught. They're not sorry they did it. And they have no true repentance and therefore they find no comfort. But Paul writes to us in Corinthians, about chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians, and he talks about a godly sorrow that produces repentance. Not sorry that you got caught, sorry that you sinned against God. Sorry that you sinned against people. Paul says those are the people who truly repent and they will find comfort. The resurrection takes the sorrow of the brokenhearted and turns it into joy. John chapter 16, verse 20, Jesus is speaking. And he says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. That's another tough one for me. Your sorrow will be turned to joy. If he would have only said, your sorrow will be replaced with joy. I could understand that. How, how is your sorrow turned into joy? Well, in verse 21, Jesus gives the example of a mother who is in childbirth. Bill Cosby is one of my favorite comedians. And he has this little comedy on the mother who is pregnant. You've probably heard it. Well, I had a secretary in Goshen that could have fit into that story, of, but Bill Cosby's just perfect. Cindy... Uh, Always gave me a rough time, and always gave her a rough time. We just kind of joshed back with each other. And she didn't want to have any children. She and Jean had been married for some time, had no children. And occasionally I would say, now, Cindy, when are you and Jean going to have a baby? Never. I don't want any kids. I don't want the pain of that. I don't I don't want the experience of that. I just know we're not having any kids. A few weeks would go by to torment." I'd say, Cindy, when are you and Gene going to have a baby? I told you, never. We're not going to have a baby. I don't want the pain, I don't want the the, the problems of that. Well, I kept teasing her. One day she came into the office and she had her teeth kind of clenched and she said, "All right, you have had your way. I said, what are you talking about, Cindy? She said, I am pregnant, and I am not happy about it. And I was hilariously happy for her. I said, this is going to be wonderful. She said, no, it's not. And she began to grow. And I would say, Cindy, I think you're putting on a little weight. And we just kept that up nine months and finally it came time for her to have the baby and I went in and had prayer and got out <laughs> and I can just imagine what took place in that room according to Bill Cosby, Cindy fits it well Gene has gone through Lamaze classes and he knows exactly what to do to help Cindy through this process and so he reaches out in tenderness and puts his hand on her hands and she says, Gene don't touch me. (laughs) Don't ever touch me again. You did this to me, don't touch me. Well, she goes through some hours of childbirth and has a beautiful little baby girl. And they bring that little baby girl down to the altar and our feud is over with Cindy and me and I get to dedicate this wonderful little baby to the Lord and them to the Lord. Now, I knew Cindy was crazy, but I didn't know she was this crazy. In two years, she had another one. <laughs> you know, you hurt me once, you ain't going to hurt me again. Yeah. But you know, that's exactly what Jesus said in verse 21 of John. He said... In essence, that when a mother is in travail of childbirth, there's sorrow. But when she holds the baby in her arms, and I don't understand this because I'm a man, you forget all about the pain and the suffering that you encountered because you hold this bundle of joy. Your sorrows turn to joy. That's exactly what Jesus Christ does for us. Because of the resurrection, He takes our sorrow, and turns it into joy. The resurrection also brings peace to a captive world. Jesus stood up in His synagogue in Nazareth where He lived, and He opened the scroll of Isaiah. We now know that it was Isaiah chapter 61. And he quoted from it. Luke records it for us in chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight to the blind, and release of the oppressed. Now we know that in Isaiah's day, and in Jesus' day as well, that there were people put in prisons, literally, because of their faith, because they spoke truth. The prophets came to the kings and spoke truth. And as a result of that, they were put in dungeons and prisons. King Herod had put John the Baptist in prison. And so we know that that verse is no doubt talking about some literal freedom from prison. But in the New Testament, there is a new kind of freedom that comes. Because in the New Testament, we recognize that we are captives of sin. We're captives of shame and captives of guilt. And we need to be freed from those prisons. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, since we have been justified through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Peace is a a serendipity. It comes as a result of something else. If you go seeking for peace, I can almost guarantee you, you're not going to find it. It comes as a result of something else. For instance, it comes as a result of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So when you have the Spirit of God living in you, His fruit begin to bear in you and one of those is peace. Peace is also the fruit of righteousness. When you are right in your heart and your mind with God, there's a peace that comes. The Psalms says that peace and righteousness have kissed each other. So when you're living right, when you are right, made right by God's righteousness, you have peace. Peace is also the fruit of reconciliation. When you are reconciled in your heart with God and in your mind with God, you're made right with God, there is a peace that comes to the life that passes all understanding. It is being made right with God in your heart and in your mind and in your will by the cross of Jesus Christ and by the resurrection of Christ from the tomb. The hope of Easter. It's the hope of being set free from those prisons of guilt, prisons of shame, prisons of anger, prisons of bitterness, prisons of resentment, prisons of unforgiveness, and being released in your body, your mind, and your spirit from those. The living presence of Jesus Christ is life-changing folks it is life-changing you'll turn your despair into hope he will heal your brokenness and he will release you from the prisons that this world encases in he's alive he's real and he's ready to work in our lives Father, I pray today that you will be with each of us. We all, at times, carry burdens. We carry guilt. We carry things in our life that you don't really want us to carry. We don't need to carry. We just need to release them to you. Today, I pray that you will help persons here release those things in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.